Hey, listener, Zach Harper here. Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy sports. Also, fastest growing fantasy app in the industry. Here's how it works. The Pick'em Game. Pick whether your favorite players will have a higher or lower stat total in this week's game for a chance to win big. How big, you ask? I'm so glad you asked that question, listener. You can win up to 100 times your money in a single night. Pick between two and five players. Build a pick'em entry. You can also do rivals picks. You can put like Tyrese Halliburton and Jalen Brunson against each other. And whoever has more points, more assists, more rebounds, whatever you want to do, that is your rivals pick. I would maybe go with Jalen Brunson in these playoffs. By the way, in the regular season, Jalen Brunson scoring tear, going higher on his point totals all the time. Joel Embiid, whenever he did actually play, higher on his scoring totals all the time. Victor Wembanyama for the next 15, 20 years. Here's a pro tip for you. Take higher on the blocks. That's right. So you're probably wondering, how do you sign up? Oh my God, listener, you are full of good questions today. Sign up with the promo code DING, that's D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick First time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. $250, man, that's a lot. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store. And don't forget to register with our code DING, D-I-N-G, to claim your special pick and first time deposit offer up to $250 in bonus cash. Must be 18 or older, 21 or older in Massachusetts, Arizona, 19 or older in Alabama and Nebraska, and present in a state where Underdog Fantasy operates. Terms apply. Concerned with your play? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.ncpgambling.org. Arizona, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. That's 1-800-639-8783. Or text next step. To five three three four two New York, call the twenty four seven Hope Line at one eight seven seven eight Hope and Y or text Hope and Y four six seven three six nine. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back with Woke Bros, a Friday Woke Bros. It is your illustrious Hulk co-host of this whole enterprise. It is I, Michael Aziz, Mohammed Jabbar, Abdul X, Mohammed Brooks, along with my friend, comrade, compatriot, partner for Tello, all that good stuff. Big Waz, whoa, whoa, Wozni Lombre, Big Waz, what's up? 
What's going on, Michael, man? It's good to finally be back, yo. Uh, of course, want to send a quick shout out to everybody that came out to the LA Live show. It was, it was live. It was direct. It was official tissue. It was great to touch down with, you know, the people who support us week by week, episode by episode. Um, of course, I noticed y'all did the majority report live out in Brooklyn. I thought that was pretty dope. Yo, no, that was actually cool because um, I didn't even put it together in my head that we had like the two universes like that are bridged through you and I. There were two live shows. And it's I mean, it's it's cool. You know, you get to meet a lot of good people. It's going to it's it was great. Um, and the, all the pictures I was seeing on Instagram of uh, the Council Things live show looks amazing, too. Lots of good people out and about. Lots of good times being had. Super producer Rob Lopez, he is steering the ship when he remembers to show up to the ship. Rob, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm a bad. Mike had a day. Mike had a day. Let Mike have a day. Yeah. Like excuse me, Rob had a day. <laughs> Rob can have a day. Rob's great. We know this, and um, keep. We're gonna keep the live shows coming. There's still a few tickets available uh, to the Michael Brooks live show at the Bell House in Brooklyn. I don't remember how many they hold up, uh, how many the the seats there are, but I know that we're like, I believe like the, the VIP House. the VIP part is going to be packed. So I shouldn't say this because you still can't. There isn't a limit on it. And I would and I would you know buy a VIP. I'd love to see you. And obviously that's the more expensive ticket. But like, I think like the the VIP alone now is definitely at least a hundred people. And oh, wow, then, you know, a well lot more. Uh, you know, after that with general tickets. So, look, the sketches are being recorded. Like we're gonna make that like a show, right? Um, it's not gonna just be like, you know, the usual goodness we bring except there's an audience in front of us. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to bring a little bit more of an edge to it. We look forward to seeing you there on February 1st. Of course, on March 2nd, there's the Count the Dings live show in Boston. Uh, Waz, take over. Tell them about that. You know, we're doing it, yeah. Uh, March 2nd at the Middle East in Cambridge, Massachusetts, man. Um, that's going to be in and around the Sloan Analytics Conference. Dorka Palooza, as the one great Bill Simmons once coined it. You know, it's basically a weekend where sports people with an analytical bent show up to Boston and basically dork out with presentations, panels, like all kinds of people, coaches, GMs, um, former players, scouts. You can find all kinds of people within the realms of sports. And, and you know, it used to be just be basketball, but now it's definitely football, baseball. It's all kinds of sports. Um, and guys just presenting different analytical goods, uh, for lack of a better word. And so around that weekend, we're showing up to Boston, doing a live show at the Middle East. Uh, there's a decent amount of tickets left, but you don't want to slack. I know it's still about six weeks to go and people are like, nah, you know, I'm still at the gym. I'm still doing my new year's resolutions thing. I haven't really gotten to, you know, my leisurely stuff yet, but yeah, March 2nd is going to happen. We had a bunch of Wonderful special guest um, out in L.A. Shouts to my man, Jake One. You know, he shared some beautiful stories with us. Uh, he had a We had an amazing time with him. Uh, 
Yeah, man, you never really know who's going to show up uh, at a Counter Ding show, so you don't want to miss that, man. Everybody who shows up... Yo, I... Real quick, I'm really sorry, man. I don't know if this is a problem for Rob, but uh, you're cutting out, like, a lot. So I'm Am I? Hearing, Should I call like, back? Yeah, I'm not hearing... I'm no. only hearing... No. Rob, is it, fuck, is it messing up for you? No, I heard Waz perfectly. So it's just messing up for Mike. So maybe yeah. let's just get Mike's um, thing back. Yeah, so it's probably Reconnect. you, Mike. All right, man. See, are you on? Are you on Wi-Fi? We're sorry, the number you have reached is not in service. Please check the number or try your call again. This is a recording. Yeah. All right. Make sure you're on Wi-Fi. Just uh, close out your Skype, reset it. Just let me know. All right. You can rejoin. You can actually rejoin. Rewatching the wire. Show is so fucking good. It's so intricate, so fucking precise. It's fucking amazing, bro. Dude, I I remember watching it when I was younger, but I don't remember it. Like, you know what I mean? Season I two or it. just The Wire in general? Just like the first couple seasons, I remember watching it. And just I just don't remember it. Like, I have to sit I want to go back it. and watch this shit. Trust oh, me, sure, bro. Sure. Like, I, and plus, because I was so young... <laughs> You know, I didn't really understand the mechanics of bureaucracy and and politics and all the shit that goes into our institutions, right? Like when you get an understanding, like it's just human beings, you know what I'm saying? Like we look at the like police force as like this machine, right? But really it's just a series of people making a series of decisions, that have, you know, ridiculous consequences, but it's just human beings, bro. Like, The Wire pushed that shit into such sharp focus. It's incredible, bro. So intricate, detailed. Like, they, like they show you how each piece is connected to the, to the next one. Like, every decision has an effect, and it's like a domino. It's just fucking incredible, yo. <laughs> like, I know it's been said, like, a trillion times, but, like, Rewatching this shit the last few weeks, I'm just like, wow, this show is amazing. Like at the time, we thought it was incredible, but like, I don't think we understood how sick that show was. Yeah, that show's incredible. Like, just as a social commentary, yeah. just like on urban decay and shit like that. Like, yo, pff, too fun. No, that show's incredible. All right, can you hear me now, Mike? Is it? Yeah, now you're all good. So let's just uh, rock with it. Okay. Um, all right. So we need to get to, uh, you know, it, it, it would be if it was almost anything else than what the story is, it would sound interesting if somebody said, hey, you know, the NBA, the New York Knicks specifically, and the Turkish government have an issue. I would say, huh, that's something I want to know more about. Uh, I like the NBA. I live in New York and I studied abroad in Turkey. What's going on? And, but as a lot of people know, it turns out that Enes Kanter, who's the uh, center for the New York Knicks, the Turkish government's put out an Interpol red notice on him and they are actually accusing him of supporting terrorism, I believe is the language that they are using. Um, and it all comes down to a relationship that they claim that Ennis Cantor has with a guy named Fatula Gulen, 
And this is a very weird story, right? So Fatula Gulen, when I studied in Turkey, which was like like 2007 in college, okay, and the same government was in power, Erdogan was in power, and he was already like, you know, he's not our cup of tea, you know what I mean? He's a fucking religious conservative capitalist, right? So he was bad, but he was not um, – he wasn't fully blooming – as the dictator he is now. So Erdogan, he started off, he just, <laughs> he's kind of grown into his role as full-on dictator, authoritarian, just straight-up megalomaniac. I mean, there's a debate about, you know, like, was this always the plan? Plan, okay. And also, he is a guy who, like, he maybe recently it's changing a little bit, but he's always won elections. Like, he's always had real popularity. So he kind of had the like, you know, there's an election, however many years, four years, I I won. Now shut the fuck up. I get to do what I do. Yeah, you can try to beat me in another four years. But, you know, that and he's just gotten worse. I mean, again, always bad. But uh, even within his own party, any other voices that might have had any kind of clout have been muscled out. Academics are in prison, uh, lawyers, journalists, uh, political, the leaders of the Kurdish leaders of, a, of like the party you and I would vote for. It's called the HDP. They were put in jail basically for making speeches. It's a very, very, very bad situation. And anyway, so Fatula Gulen, though, was a Muslim cleric who actually lives in Pennsylvania. Right. And when I was there – he and Erdogan were cool with each other because, you know, Erdogan's like a religious conservative Muslim. Fatula Gulen is a cleric. He also um, – a lot of charter schools across the United States are Fatula Gulen charter schools. A whole – you know, can't get into all the details of it. Anyways, they had a falling out and now Erdogan has flipped from he's my friend to he's our Osama bin Laden and actually – uh, Michael Flynn, who, you know, had the, the the Russia focus around him. But what actually is totally is just public knowledge was that he worked for the Turkish uh, government briefly. And he actually had this wild fucking proposal to go to Pennsylvania and kidnap Fatula Gulen and yeah. send him to Turkey. Extract him. So- there's like a lot of wild shit with this. And they're claiming yeah, yeah. that Ennis Cantor, without any real evidence, without any um, substantiation, the dude is a basketball player, uh, you know, is a supporter. I mean, really, it's because he's – I mean, to me, it's obvious he said a few mildly, mildly critical things about Erdogan. But Erdogan's a megalomaniac, a dictator, a ruthless, you know, asshole. And this is the ringer he's putting him through. And I got to say, like, I'm not even trying to get into, like, we can go and dunk on Dolan in a minute. But, like, would you really want your well-being to, to some no small extent, depend on fucking Dolan? I mean, shit. No, not really. But James Dolan is the type of cat who I don't think would take kindly to people trying to get at one of his guys, right. so to speak. Right. Uh, like, you know, right, we've talked right, about right. this on the show before. Like, he's stuck with his people, whether it be Isaiah or Steve Mills, through 
some pretty dark times, right? So, like, James Dolan is, like, although I wouldn't want him personally handling it, I think he has the means to be like, yo, we got to figure out what's going on with cancer. Like, he's rich enough. He's connected enough. He could get the guy situated. I think more importantly for me is, like... Like the the situation we find ourselves in, I have to use Barry as a direct uh, comparison because he was the guy that was here right before. Like this shit just would not stand if Barry was still the president, right? Like it just wouldn't be allowed. Like you don't just you ain't gonna tell us to extradite our professional players, you know, law abiding citizens without like some kind of like they'll carry water for their allies who do terrible things, but there's gotta be. I got to be able to carry this in public. You know what I'm saying? But our current regime, that's why I'm kind of afraid for cancer. That's where I'm scared for him. Where I'm just like, I don't know. Like, what's really stopping Trump from doing this? Like, realistically. No, I mean, I don't like that's that is where. No, like this is. Yeah, like that's I agree with you completely. Right. Because there is. The bigger picture of like the structure of U.S. foreign policy and being an imperial power, which is what we are and all the terrible things that entails and the difference between that and, you know, a fucking megalomaniac wanting to extradite an NBA player who offended him. And you have a president now where like Erdogan could get on the phone and be like, you know, in addition to, you know, like being this really bad guy who threatens the Turkish people. I also heard that like Ennis said you had bad hair. And so what? <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yo, and and you know, and but we have like counterexamples of this, right? In the sense of like Cuban defectors, all kinds yeah. of baseball players and different right. athletes that have come here defected and we've basically told Cuba to go fuck themselves, right? Yeah, but that's a regime, but that's a government that we disrespect and try But that's to what I'm saying, like, but that's but that's what yeah. I'm saying, Mike. Like yeah. let's just say had it been, I don't know, Saudi. I don't know if we would have had that same attitude towards defectors. Right. Right? Like right. that's that's the scary thing about this for me for cancer cuz it's like you know, yeah, we'll thumb our nose to somebody like Cuba who can't wield any influence over us whatsoever, and we already don't fuck with them. Yeah, we're just like, fuck you and your extradition requests and this, this, that, and the third. I don't know how that goes over when it comes to our current regime and the Turkish government. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, no, that's well, not totally. And not only that, like, in a weird, you know, do you remember a couple years ago? I it was, I think it was right after Trump was inaugurated and Erdogan was in the United States and, you know, he was in Washington and he was met with protests because, you know, of course, there's a lot of people that want to protest the mother. Yes. Yes. And he sicked his security detail on the protesters. They beat the shit out of these people in Washington, D.C., he stepped out of the limo and like literally like adjusted his tie and looked at like looked at it like, yeah, that's right. And you in know, D.C. he's doing this to protest D.C. And like, Ooh. again, I am the lat like, you know, you know me. I'm not Mr. Like rah, rah, rah. But like, like 
No, you can't do that. Like that. You don't what? come to America and do that. Are Sorry, you, bro. Your fucking mind. And then later, you know, they got some names of the security detail, and apparently they're barred from entering the country or some bullshit. But the truth was, was that the park police didn't know what the fuck to do, and there was no actual response to this fucking guy literally sicking his thugs on peaceful protesters in the middle of the fucking capital capital of America. And and, the, and that's like, that is of an irate, like, you know, Oh, Obama apologized and all this fucking dick. That, suck that would not stand. And then it's like, well, <laughs> well, I don't know about fucking apologizing for, you know, supporting a coup in the 1950s or whatever the hell it is that Obama did that, you know, got you so fucking upset. But I do know about not doing a thing while a foreign head of state authoritarian sicked his people on peaceful protesters in the capital of the United States. That's enough to make me feel like Ronald Reagan. Like, what is the matter with you? <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I can't stress it. And and these are the type of cats, the Erdogan's, the, the Putin's, the, you know, the um the Saudi crown prince. Like those are the type of cats he's been cozying up to. Those are his favorite world leaders, <laughs> like yeah. all of them. You know what I'm saying? Like his favorites, his closest world leaders are the authoritarian dictator types like. Time and time again, we've seen it. He's oh, he always has good. He's a great, strong leader. Love him. Love Erdogan. <laughs> Gets it done. So you know, man, I I, I hope Enos Cantor is in good spirits and he's getting good advice and people are holding him down because this is scary. Yeah, definitely. I actually talked. I'm um, uh, I have a, a friend who you know she's kind of a, like around him in a, in a work uh, capacity, like more on the media side and. And, you know, it was like, yeah, he's not doing any press right now. I actually – I wanted to get him on uh, TMBS or on Woke Bros actually. Oh, but, that would be incredible. Yeah, but I mean right now probably wisely he's – you know, he's keeping a lower profile. But, yeah, we need and to – And then, of course, Erdogan has his own NBA pr- player. He has Hidu Turkoglu. And Turkoglu released a statement that, that – <laughs> Oh, my God. He is a former Sacramento King, Toronto Raptor, Orlando Magic. He went to the finals with them. He was on that famous Dwight Howard, uh, Jameer Nelson, Rashad Lewis team, J.J. Redick, et cetera, et cetera, Stan Van Gundy. Uh, he he now works for Erdogan, and he issued a statement basically just lame-basting <laughs> Enos Cancer and saying that he's involved with terrible elements and this, this, that, and a third. It's a, it's a fucking mess, man, a clusterfuck. You know, is, that's, that is pretty fucking incredible, man, because it's like— He released a yeah. statement in, like, three languages, Mike. It was, like, German, Russian, <laughs> Turkish, English— <laughs> Yo, I mean, it, it, I don't know, maybe he feels maybe there's some pressure being applied to him back home or something. But it's like no, you just no. He absolutely, um, Turkoglu absolutely is on the payroll, like a hundred percent. He's on the payroll of yeah, Irma. yeah, yeah. Now, that's wild, man. That's but that's about your own, like you know, essentially former colleague. I don't know. That's wild. That's wild. And Nick fans out there that are listening to the show, you want. 
You want Enos Cantor playing right now because you want to lose as many games as you can because you need that number one pick for Zion Williamson, man. And, you know, not to stick the knife. I love how, my- like, everybody's, like, that's, like, the whole, like, if you tweet about <laughs> Enos Cantor, the responses are all, like, solidarity, we have to do something, or, like, that's right. I mean, the only thing he terrorized was a Knicks win-loss record. Like, <laughs> exactly. People, people, <laughs> people still Everybody's think- in agreement there. <laughs> it's like Jesus Christ. <laughs> You're gonna take the guy. These guys are trying to. They fuck these people are will stick a fucking you know two bit newspaper columnist in some prison where they'll get fucking pneumonia. I they want to strip him out. Still got a shit and people are like, ah, yeah. Yeah, they got a shoehorn the Knicks takes no matter what. Yeah. It's, it's Knicks fans, man. I heard Washington. Hope he's working for Fatula the Gould because the whole organization will crumble. Knicks. Never. Wow. family outside of Turkey for you. Uh, do yes. you know that Mr. Gulen had anything to do with the, with the 2016 coup attempt? Um, he has nothing to do with it because I was with him that night. And if you want to understand who did the coup attempt, you have to look at the benefits of coup attempt. And after the coup attempt, there is around 80,000 people on the jail and 17 of them are women. And around 700 babies are in the jail right now with their families. Let me ask you about your decision not to travel with your team to London. What specifically are you worried could happen if you went to London or traveled anywhere outside the U.S. right now? Well, I was getting death threats almost once or twice a week. And after I made that London comment... Where were you getting those threats? uh, Most of it on social media. Okay. And, uh, you know, after I made that London comment, I was getting hundreds and hundreds every day. So I did not want to go to uh, some foreign country that, uh, in, especially in Europe, that where Erdogan has long arms everywhere. And Turkish governments are very famous for hunting down uh, people, on, uh, especially in Europe. And he, uh, he kidnapped around 100 people, uh, community leaders, teachers, journalists. So that's why I did not want to go there and risk my life. You're worried that you would be targeted by one of his supporters, either kidnapped or detained Definitely. if you are to leave the Definitely. U.S. If you believe his reach is that wide, how do you know you're safe here in the U.S.? Well, I know I'm, there's love, there's laws in the U.S., and I believe U.S. that uh, nothing can happen and, uh, in the U.S. And then I, but outside of U.S., I don't really feel safe anywhere else. All right, man, let's, uh, let's talk. You want to talk about The Sopranos next? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, man. Uh, look, I mean, there's not much to set up here. 20th uh, year anniversary of the launch of The Sopranos. Uh, definitely, you know, like, I'll just say, like, there's so many show, like shows now, obviously, with, like, you know, the proliferation everybody talks about. And I actually, um, I think it was actually, I forget who it was, um, because on Back to Back, all the voices start to merge for me. I like all the voices, but I can't, I can't tell the white ones apart um, sometimes. I can only, sometimes on Back to Back, I can only tell who you and Jade are, to be honest, because I like everybody, but I know you. But anyways, the point is, is somebody that's my way of of, because I feel guilty because I can't remember who made this point. But I think it was about that new uh, Netflix show with Sandra Bullock and. Oh, the movie Blind Spot. 
or is no, that what's no. what's oh, it called? No, 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 Bird Box. Bird Box. Yeah, not Blind Blind Spot. No, she did a movie called Blindside, and she's wearing a blindfold in the Bird Box poster or something. That was just my own individual fuck up. Yeah, that weird paternalistic whatever. But uh, yeah, but but somebody was saying like, oh, you know, it's good, but not as good as everybody says it was, or something. And the other, and this guy was like, yeah, like what are we doing? Like we're yeah, that was Zach. Who who said that? Zach Harper. Okay, yeah, Zach Harper. All right, the brilliant. I, I yeah, man, Zach is great, and he's totally right about that. Like this whole like proliferation of like the recap culture and. Everything is microanalyzed. And I'm at a point where, you know, there's some new shows that I like and I scope out and I and shows I keep up with. I keep up with Billions. I keep up with Narcos. I like those shows. But my point, my long-winded point here is I, I'm skipping so many and I'm rewatching the fucking Sopranos for like the third time. And it's right. better. It's better. Exactly. <laughs> it's better than you remembered it to be. It's it's it, and, you know, it get and rightfully so it gets the credit of setting off what they call the golden age of prestige television of just like, yo, this isn't your cookie cutter procedural or sitcom or any of that. It's actually everything. It's breaking the rules. It's following a lot of those constructs. It's funny. It's heartbreaking. It's scary. It's suspenseful. It's smart as all hell. It's complicated. Like these characters aren't just two sided, good or bad. There's gray in there. There's, you know, these are 3D characters. And I know that's a cliche. But this is a show with three-dimensional people, three-dimensional universes, right? Where it's hard to tell who's the good guys, who's the bad guys, who to root for, you know. Um, and it might change on a given episode, given season. You know, I know for me, and I say this all the time, and I'm actually re-watching The Wire too. And most people agree that The Wire and The Sopranos are the two best shows that were ever made. Um I don't see, I don't see an argument like any other opinion besides that is just constraining yeah. and bullshit. I'm yeah, like, I, I, absolutely, absolutely. And I'm somebody who loves Mad Men. I'm somebody who loves Breaking Bad. Um, I think Game of Thrones, honestly, is in another... It's in a separate conversation because what they're doing on that show, you just... You know, when you have a freaking ice-breathing dragon... On your show, like you can't compare it to like the drama of a husband and wife, right? Which right. like a lot of the times this is what the soprano turns into. Um, I just think my, my favorite thing about the sopranos is that it's just like the layers of just family dynamics, right? Like as somebody myself who has a big fucking sprawling family, like all of the things, the themes throughout the show of Tony and his family, whether it be his mob family or his actual, you know, blood family, like all of that shit rings so true. The little slights, the grudges, the, you know, the the oaths, the, not even the oaths, but the traditions and all of this shit that we carry on through the years, like all of that stuff rings so true to me, right? And um, Alan Sepperwall, the great 
uh, TV critic and uh, Matt Zoller sites, another great TV critic. They just dropped a book about the 20th anniversary. And what they're doing is like a close read, like a straight up film study class, right? Of The Sopranos, which you can do with the show too, which I, you know, I've never been some kind of film buff, blah, blah, blah. I don't know about what this frame means and blah, blah, blah. But you can watch it like that too. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if you wanted to nerd out and get into the nitty gritty of the technical stuff that's going going on in the symbolism like it's got all of that too so to jam all of that into a show that that started in 1999 when tv was literally just like the most generic predictable uh medium of art out there it's just incredible it's incredible and it's funny too because even like on a, i don't remember what i don't know what year it came out but even on like a smaller level like like it was like big picture television and what people think television is it was working against and then smaller picture like i think that the analyze this movie came out right around the same time so it's like oh yeah like mob and a therapist like all right right. like you know sure which was a straight up comedy like i liked i i like that movie i think it's funny but that is not you know it was like that was like, you know, De Niro's going to do his mafia thing and Billy Crystal's going to be a nebbish and like hijinks ensue. Like the way even that therapist relationship, that was groundbreaking. And that was very incredibly well done. I mean, I don't I don't necessarily always agree with the worldview of the show. I think in some ways I'm I mean, I'm torn in between thinking that maybe we can do better as humans and also sure. or and, or being like, to our, our flaws are just selfish pieces of garbage and we're going to die. And that's <laughs> it. But I mean, I think, that um, you know, but I also think like just even like I think too like pol- I don't want to overstate it, but politically, that's an amazing way of understanding the Bush era. It's definitely a great preview of the Trump era. I think it's I think, um, you know, everybody can relate to it and love it. But I think definitely if you have any like tri-state New Jersey, New York experience, there's just the way they just get the language, the like like I'm, I'm talking even on the level of like right. Like I left New York when I was really little. But, you know, my parents were obviously New Yorkers and coming back here all the time. It's like. I can't even think of a good example, but or actually the clip we're going to play of Paulie Walnuts with his fucking Hasidim joke, like just the type of sh- shit that like on one hand, they're like they're just rich suburban assholes. Then they're also murderous. And then they're also just like lame. Jews, that's right. I knew it was something. Uh, Tony, you know that guy Titleman owns all the property. I'm hotel tell down the street from the club. The Jew with the black clothes and the curls and everything. They're called Hasidim. Hasidim, but I don't believe them. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's it's yeah, and, and of, of course you know like the the term antihero, especially as it relates to TV protagonists, gets you know it gets beat over the head nowadays. But again, like this is an authentic antihero, a, a genuinely bad person they made this guy the protagonist of the show and they made you love him like on the right. fifth or fourth episode of the series the guy 
kills a dude with his bare hands for no reason whatsoever. Like, you know, whatever. Spoiler alert. Like, the guy was a former informant. He informed the people on his associates and people that he know went to jail behind it. But, like, literally, he didn't have to do it. The guy was gone, minding his business, blah, blah, blah. He just wanted to murder this dude, and he did it with his bare hands. Like, nobody was doing stuff like that 20 years ago. Not on TV. Right. Do you remember um, uh, I read about that? Do you remember how in that episode and more spoilers, whatever you should, even if it is a spoiler, you should watch it. Anyway. Yeah. I mean, if you haven't watched The Sopranos by now, something's just wrong with you. Right. Exactly. And I, I don't even believe in spoilers anyways, but that's another conversation. But uh, the um, the uh, the scene, though, the guy he killed, he basically it's like a perfect Sopranos episode. He takes his daughter up to Maine to look at Bates and Bowden, like to look in yep. Colby, like the three, like nice, you know, top end leafy liberal arts colleges up in Maine shouts to Bates, Bates alumni, Bobcats, uh, proud alumnus. But, um, and, and so he's up there with his daughter and that's like, you know, perfect McMansion suburban dad mode. And he sees a guy who was like in witness protection or something like that. And one of the only compromises they made on the show, I read about this or heard an interview, I think with David Chase, I forget where I, but they basically added a scene where this guy who had been an informant and a rat who Tony ends up killing is, he also notices Tony. And so they added a scene where he's trying to enlist like some local junkie that he sells to, to go clip Tony. And, right. and, and actually that had not been in the original script, but, it, why, but it, it was still, it, it was still early in the show where there was more susceptible, like pressure from other forces. Yeah. Notes. Taking yeah, notes from up notes, top. Yeah. Was like, you cannot like, especially in the first season, there's a lot of likability in Tony. Yep. So they were like, you can't, like you gotta add something that you right. Know. They had to make that guy kind of a scumbag for the right. audience to be like, well, he kind of had it coming. Right, exactly. And then, and then as that show progresses, uh, they took all the fucking padding gear off of Tony. Man. Oh my they, god, man! Whoa. <laughs> I mean, he's a lush. He's greedy. He's an adulterer. Oh. Oh, he's, he's a, a murderer. He's a master manipulator. He's underdeveloped as an adult, like emotionally anyway. Like it's, it's, yo, man, <laughs> he's a bad dude, bro. He is and, a bad, bad, bad dude. And through the end, we're all still rooting for him. You know what you I'm know saying? You know the best, the last thing, the best part of that show, man, is remember, I think it's in season three, maybe two. Where Camilla's going through one of her like crises of conscience. That's also another amazing character and acting oh, job God. right there. That's the best. I love Carmel. She's probably my cool. favorite character outside of Tony. Oh wow. I think yeah. my, I gotta admit, my favorite character outside of Tony is, is probably some dumb shit like Polly Walnuts. Just Paulie's so- great. I, I like Paulie, but my yeah, my favorite are Carmel no, like- and Uncle June because I know yeah. those people. Right. Like, I know those people, like, when it comes to, like, just a strong-headed, you know, uh, woman, like, a take-no-shit, like, will tell you what's on their mind, all of that, which, like, sounds like a cliche, but, you know, like, I know that person, and, like, Uncle June, like, 
the petty, older, curmudgeonly dude. Like, I know these people. That's why, like, they're my favorite because, like, everything they do and say, like, rings true to my own life of people that I've encountered before. You know what I'm saying? Right. No, I, 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 I get I. It's all just, man, it's like a whole other tangent because even, like, the way Uncle June, like, they establish him so well as, like, this insecure, you know, ridiculous old man. But then it's like, oh, he's actually got, at the same time, he's actually very savvy. And yep. sometimes he makes like, even sometimes ethically, actually, weirdly, he makes the right call. So it's, yep. it, I don't know. That, but the, the, the only other thing I want to hit on it and is it just besides all the appreciation for how great that show is, um, that scene where Carmela goes to the uh, she, but she ends somehow she ends up going to this therapist, right? And like everybody else, like it's it's longer obviously between Tony and his therapist, but kind of the lesson is like, you know, essentially the perspective that I got was like you can't treat a sociopath, right? Like this isn't going to be the path for how you treat somebody who basically just doesn't have a conscience, um, and so you got like, you know, therapists that are naive and have their own agendas. And then you have like these ridiculous priest characters that basically don't know what the hell they're doing. And just, you know, three Hail Marys, whatever. And she goes and she sees this old Jewish, uh, uh, you know, therapist. And he basically just like, he deduces what she won't say directly. And he's just, just like, Oh, your husband's in the mafia. Like, no, I'm not going to take your money. And uh, you need to divorce him immediately. And uh, that's it. <laughs> and you realize like oh like basically the whole show is just pretty much telling you that that therapist is right like that he summarized so even to, like the way they just drop these fucking uh, like foreshadows I don't know man the show is amazing real, real quick though I know we gotta get off of this but what did you think of the end of it I know that was controversial for a lot of people I think it worked it's fine I like I love it I love and you know why because I hate the idea of spoon feeding people closure like no I need right. a nice neat ending wrapped up in a bow I need to know exactly what happens they end the show meaning like the show is over that's what I think the ending means to me like the show is over I like well, it doesn't need to be ended. The show is done. You're done. These you fit. You've spent this much time with these characters. You have a pretty decent idea of what's coming next. You know, if Tony doesn't get killed right. in the bar, he'll get killed somewhere else, or the feds will finally catch up to him. Right? Like right. we know, we know how the story ends. It doesn't matter. Like the point right. of the show is not the ending. We weren't leading up to some ending. They were just telling a story. You were spending time with these characters and they were, you know, developing all these new things, you know, different things with them. And and that was great. But the idea that they needed to have a clean ending for us all to have closure, it's like, it's so obvious to me what the ending is. Right. You don't need to be shown yeah. the ending. I, I loved I love the ending. Um, and but, you know, at the same time, you know, with the caveat that I wasn't somebody who watched it in real time. I didn't watch The Sopranos in real time. I didn't watch The Sopranos for the first time until like I want to say shit, man, maybe four years ago. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. I yeah, didn't watch like it in real time either. I watched ago. it probably. Like so I, I might have a different opinion of it if I watched it in real time. And I think it ended in 2007 
which would have made me shit. I would have only been 20 years old. I probably would have been pissed. I don't think I would have been right. a sophisticated enough viewer of art or whatever you want to call it to be like, you know, get over it. But like when I watched it four years ago, and I watched the ending and like having like the totality of the series, like at my disposal, like in my brain and I'm chewing over, I'm like, that ending is fine. There's nothing wrong with that ending, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with all that completely. Um, and 100%. some people are like, uh, did he die? Didn't he die? I don't think he dies in a diner. I think that's the point. Like, no, I, think I, the, I agree. I agree. I think, it's I think like, the point of doing it at the diner is like their life is just going on. After yeah, the show that's ends. It. That's <laughs> they're doing the shit and, they and, always and do. Down, and even down to the point that it's like a lot of like... It, like, it was really, um, yeah, like, all this carnage, this whole mafia war, but, like, you know, yeah, it's just, it just continuing going. It doesn't actually really affect Tony that much. And, you know, and also, I think David Chase said, the, I don't remember, I'm only remembering, like, fragments of this, but I think he even said, like, you know, and even the kids, like, even though obviously like the kids don't follow their better impulses because at the end of the day, they're pretty thoroughly corrupted by their parents. They can't totally. But the truth of the matter is, is like, you know, they're better. You know what I mean? Like AJ's ridiculous, but he's not going to be out killing, uh, you know, Meadows. Right. <laughs> she's going to get a, gonna a play, straight job. Yeah, she's going to be an attorney. Be fine. Better than being like, you know, a, a sort of like a woman who sits and basically like passively relies on and actually really in some ways enjoys this mafia lifestyle, but also sort of like, you know, has all of these conflicts. I don't I don't think Carmela's more complicated than it's fake, but, you know, there's a lot of inauthenticity to her. So it's like, okay, you know, you upgraded. You went from, you know, a murderer and, you know, his, like, main wife who's sort of like a co-boss in a weird way. And they got kids of, like, you know, a delusional kind of, like, sub-performing boy who's, like, not – evil and a daughter who's going to be a fucking another sleazy tri-state lawyer but all right let's see what happens maybe they're and then all that bearing in mind that the grandmother tried to set up a hit on the own on her own son which right. tony certainly would have done like tony i think right like the yeah, one that i would say about tony right <laughs> yeah. the evil 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 dude but I still thought at the end of the series, like, no, I don't think he would harm Carmela or his two children. I don't think he would do that. And that's already a slight progress. Progress. We're all about progress here on the Woke Bros, man. We're about progress here. Real progressives here. Another beatdown this weekend. 
from an unexpected source. Right. Soldier Boy, who I have, I think the last time I heard Soldier Boy, to be really honest, and it sounds like I'm throwing shade, but it's true, was when I was rewatching an Entourage episode in like 2012, and it was like some, you know, like, it was like, hey, Vince, do you want to go to Vegas? Yeah, cool. They got the Maserati. Shut the fuck up, drama, whatever. And then Soldier Boy came in on the soundtrack. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> like, honestly, like the last time I ever and, and not not because I didn't like Soldier Boy. It just he hasn't at all been on my radar. And he's back making the round saying that he created Drake. Look how he Yo, Meek Mill ain't beef with Chris Brown and was finna box and with Floyd Mayweather. He, he beat with Drake, the biggest rapper in the world. These <laughs> nigga, yeah, Drake, <laughs> Drake, the nigga that got bitey by Pusha T, the nigga that hiding his kid from the world, but his world wanna hide from the kid. Arby Graham in the wheelchair, Drake. Yes. Y'all niggas better stop playing with me. <laughs> stop playing me like I ain't teach Drake everything he know. Hold on, you taught Drake everything he know. Y'all ain't hear Drake on his first song. Tell me what's really going on. Drizzy Drake back in this thing already. What's that? That's oh, Soldier. That's oh, my bar. Shit. He copied my oh, whole fucking flow. That's kiss me through the phone. He copied my whole fucking flow. Oh, word for shit. word, bar for bar. Oh, don't act like shit. I didn't make Drake, nigga. Don't do that. Right. Yeah, uh, Soldier created Drake. Right. He created Drake. That, I, I love that, though. Like, shoot for the stars. Don't come out and be like, you know. No, and legitimately, uh, Drake, used, Drake used a Soldier Boy line, or, or it was like a line or two in a song that was a pretty, pretty big song. So, like, that legitimately happened, but... Tell me what's really going on. Drizzy back up in this thing, I'm ready. What's happening? And they tell me what's really going on. Soldier for up in this thing, I'm ready. What's happening? Two lines on one song does not a career make. Last time I checked, I don't know. I might be wrong. I might be making this up, Mike. <laughs> well, you, you're not an objective source when it comes to Drake. That's, but, uh, that's fair. I may not be objective, but that doesn't mean I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Dude, I don't know. Like, look, I know Rob was the Rob being the wise and judicious man that he was, he wanted us to actually note some of the things that maybe you could go over that Soldier Boy actually did do that actually was pretty important from kind of like a content yes. and marketing. Producer Rob, come in and, and, and educate the masses on the the the, the co contributions of one Soldier Boy, Young Draco. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I kind of wanted you to flex on it more than me just because of the time frame. I think I was what, probably like 13, 14 at the time. Okay. So like when he started getting big, big. But when I, Soulja Boy came on the scene? Yeah. So like, what was that? 06, 07? Yeah. So yeah, yeah I, was, I was like 15 wow. at the time. I didn't even know he had been around. Honestly, though. Oh, like, God, yeah. And, but that's the I thing. I he was only head, like 16 I'm years fine. old at the time. Wow. Right. My, and the know, thing I for me with Soldier Boy was like my ringtone. You know, he was the ringtone rap. He was the first ringtone of rap course. dude. Which a lot of people 
tell you was the the downfall of this thing we call hip hop. Like that right. era specifically, the Laffy Taffy and the everybody's like, yo, once the suit started pushing that and just pushing the idea, like there was absolutely no reason to try. Just do that. Uh, <laughs> this thing went another direction. That's what a lot of people feel like. I mean, you know, me personally, I still happen to really like rap. Uh, but no, yeah, I, so I, 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 do too, I do too, but I know I, I like, I'm not, you know, whatever. I still like rap. There's a lot of new rap that I like. And part of it, of course, is your age. But I also think some of it is objective, right? Like, I do think there is a reason that there are certain, like the 90s was a golden age of hip hop. There's also reasons even why to me, like, I don't know, like Dipset, their stuff from the fucking Bush era is still a lot more fun than a lot of stuff that just kind of dribbles out these days. And I guess that's actually, honestly, Rob, that was what I was going to say to you, not to like debate, uh, because I think, but just to put it on the table, because it's like, yes, we can all just laugh Soldier Boy off and whatever. He's, you know, he made Drake. All right. Even I would acknowledge that that's ridiculous. And the- we shouldn't be laughing at a guy who's clearly doing a lot of drugs. Like, right. It's like, it's, well, and I'm not there, saying that there, to be an asshole. Like, he's doing a lot. When we've been laughing at Kanye for a year. All of a sudden, we. <laughs> and he's not even, he's not even doing Yeah, he's, but Kanye's not like. Drugs he's been- not doing. Kanye's not like wiping his nose as he does his Instagram live. You know what I'm saying? True. The way Soldier's doing it. That's true. No, it's sad. But I think, but what I was going to say, and maybe this is honestly just like, I want your thoughts on this. Uh, and Rob, if you want to jump in too, because I think like, besides the obvious, like, okay, the, the conscience thing is the dude is fucked up. How much should we all be laughing at him? Then there's the like, all right, you didn't make Drake, like whatever. <laughs> the thing is to be like, okay, um, he was a pioneer of using social media. Uh, we talked about how he had, you know, uh, MySpace page, the, you know, uh, ringtones, uh, you know, all of this stuff. But then it's like it leads to what you raised was, which is like, okay, but those innovations might not necessarily be have always set off the best trends in hip hop. Yeah, and and the thing is, man, it's the game is a lot more democratized now, right? In a sense that, like, you do like back in the days, in order for a rapper to have made it into my earphones, which is basically through the radio, some corporation had to back him first. Period. Like that's just you just could not break through without the backing of a major corporation, which is what the all the major record labels are and were. Uh, you know, the MySpace era, like that whole crank that soldier boy, you know, as whack as we may think it is, that thing happened organically. It didn't happen in some boardroom and some marketing meeting and some like some kid made a dance, made a song, made the beat, uploaded it on his MySpace and got millions of hits off of it. It was able to feed his family, move his mom out the hood, do all of this stuff, which is like, it's a cool story right now. The ramifications of that, you know, some people may quibble, which is fine. Like, I don't, you know, I don't have a, I don't have a problem with that, but like, you know, it's it's crazy. You know what I'm saying? To see where we've gone from 07 to now where there's a such thing as a SoundCloud rapper, where there's a such thing as like, you know, basically a huge currency is rap, whether it be 6ix9ine, whether it be Cardi letting her vagina breathe on Twitter or on Instagram or whatever. It The currency is attention, That's eyeballs. Cool. And 
Soldier was the first one of the first to realize that courting internet attention, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be on MySpace, was currency and could get you paid and could get, you know, people looking at and hearing your music. Like he was very pioneering in that sense. And again, like, you know, the stuff that's trickled out because of that, whatever, uh, it's crazy, man. I, I, I just I just equate him and this is the best analogy I can put it. Um He's kind of the canary in the coal mine for the, all right, let's see if this social media stuff works with hip hop. You know what I mean? Like, let's try it out with this guy. If it works, all right, let's everybody else do it. Um, was it is his music good? I mean, prob- majority of people say no. I'm in that company that says no. He's kind of like a little B to me and I hate to besmirch the bass god. But it's like, you know, that same kind of, all right, cool. This guy's really popular on the internet. You know, he's really popping. People like what he's doing. But at the same time, is he really like talented? No, but it's a good, you know, he, he does have a point. I mean, he was one of the first people on on the internet, on social, on had a YouTube channel, you know, doing all the stuff that wasn't just, you know, what are these bars? Like, no, we want to know what Soldier's doing. We want to know what he's, right. you know, where he's at. And the best way to do it is through social media so i feel like he was kind of like not a gatekeeper but he was like i said like a canary in the coal mine like all right let's go test this out let's see what happens and if it works with him here we go dude i remember the first i remember the first time i was sitting on my computer and i might have been on notright.com or something and the it popped up it said joe buys tahiri her first bends literally it was just a video of joe budden Going to buy his girlfriend at the time a new car. And I just remember thinking, like, what a car. What is hap- what is happening to the game? Right. What like what are what are rappers doing? Like, what are you doing? We don't want this. But I was wrong. People 100 percent want this. And Joe was visionary for you know embracing the internet in that sense. Like, people do want to know what you have for breakfast, where you buy your sneakers at. You know right. what I'm saying? Like, what mic do you use? Blah, blah, blah. Like, people want to know everything about these people. Um, and, you know, and that's where we are now, where we're, we're, we're at the point where our president is, you know, tweeting about all kinds of different stuff. You know, it's not well, even yeah, I, I wonder. I wonder, like, you know, I think we should explore all of this more uh, in the coming weeks even. But I, I, I wonder if. There's going to be, you know, within what is practically possible, because so much of this stuff like lives and breathes online, obviously. But I wonder if like some people that cultivate a little bit of like privacy and a little bit of like, you know, maybe you don't know everything. You know what I mean? Like maybe I, you know, maybe like artists and people who move a little bit more stealthily. I wonder if that like appeal could reemerge. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the only person who's doing it successfully is Banksy. That's it. <laughs> like, there's yeah, literally not, no. Yeah, but not. I'm not. Yeah, but we'll see. And we'll some see. people like, might say, um, what's her name? Sia. She's doing it kind of successfully I think she does too. Do, I think she does. Sia, do the-, the robots. Um, what you would call it? Daft Punk. There's a couple of people who yeah, are well, kind of doing it successfully. Yeah. But, for the, but by the way, Mike, for the most part, what social media proves is that people want to be seen. People want to have a lot of fans. People want to have a lot of True. adoration. Like, people True. want this. You know True. what I'm saying? Like, it's an it's a human impulse. That's what I think this stuff proves is that as True. much as I judge my own self for how often I go on the gram, 
one and how happy it makes me when something I post gets a certain amount of likes. It's just a fact, right? Like I judge myself for it. Like you can't possibly be this vain, but it's like the fact of the matter is when I see, you know, that group of likes, I just get like a endorphin hit. Like, Oh, look at all these likes. (laughs) Oh, you get a literal endorphin hit. I mean, that's the way it's designed to manipulate the hell out of you. And let me, speaking of which, like I never, I didn't really, I, I kept my gram private for, I guess, but now I've, speaking of which I'm, I'm actually more active on it. So Michael Jamal Brooks on the ground. Here you go, Michael Jamal Brooks on the gram. On the gram. <laughs> I'm at Big Waz on the gram. Yeah. Um, Roboto. I don't know how. I don't know. Never know how to spell your name on the gram, Rob. You be, you be messing up the game with that zero as an O nonsense. You doing, man? You like one of those people with with two underscores? Like, what are you doing, bro? Just trying to make sure everybody knows you're getting the right Rob. That's it. Let's <laughs> keep it keep it tight. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Do we have anything right, else? Right. What's up? Do you have anything else? At underscore Michael Brooks on Twitter. Oh, there you go. All right. right. I want to thank you, Waz, as always. I want to thank Rob Lopez, the man steering the ship. Of course, the evil genius behind it all, Jade Hoy. The whole counted dings, all of them. you know, everybody in the crew, I want to thank, of course, uh, my TMBS people. And I want you to check TMBS out. There's a huge amount of content you get as a patron. Uh, and if you really want to move, you know, well into your sort of like political sophistication, but also have fun with it, especially as we head into this election season, patreon.com slash TMBS. You could also go on YouTube, Michael Brooks Show on YouTube. Uh, we crossed our first 22,000 subscribers. Let's keep them humming. There's a lot of clips there now. You get a sense of all the things we cover from the NBA to Brazil, from Kurdistan to voting rights to us just fucking around and having a good time. Uh, you can, you know, you can find me every day on Majority Report. There's a whole bunch of places you can find me. Come see us at the live show, uh, and of course. Spread the word on Woke Bros. Woke Bros is, uh, I think, I know it's a big, I know I know that these conversations are not only very fun, but also really important. I've always been a very big believer in the, uh, the, the, the WLMB uh, collaboration. And, of course, Black Opinion Matters on Monday. So spread the word on it. Give it a review. Uh, give it a rating. And check out all of the other great Count the Dings products. Get the Daily Ding with Zach Harper, like me. Listen to Back to Back Pod, which is fucking awesome. Uh, I know that there's a whole bunch of others, which maybe Waz can fill in in a second. But I also want to tell everybody, get your tickets to the Count the Ding show at the Middle East in Boston for March. That's going to be dope. Boston's a nice town in a lot of ways. I kind of miss it. Not to live, but definitely to visit. And uh, we'll see you next week.